This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Good morning, church. You know, if I had my preference, it would to have our pastors up here bringing the word every single Sunday. You know, our pastors have an amazing ability to just sit at the feet of God and just to bring us the word that we need in our due season. So I always look forward to it. But we're also a big believer of rest. We all need rest. Amen. So you're stuck with me today. I hope that's okay. And I just want to just share with you what God has been teaching me in my quiet time today, and we're going to be just, I'm just going to dive right in. If you can just open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. The book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. You can follow with me as I read it out loud. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The title of my message today is called Settling for Alms. Settling for Alms. You know, when I was a freshman in college, this is about almost 20 years ago, I was driving up for my morning class and I just met a horrific car accident. And um, I was driving down for my green signal. I don't really remember the day's events. There was an eyewitness there. They gave an account to the police record to say what had happened. But I was driving down past my green and somebody else was coming down and they ran their red. And I just T-boned him really hard. His side, my front, and my car just crumbled up inside like paper. And I was young and senseless, and I thought I was invincible, so I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And so I broke a lot of bones, and I split the side of my head open, and I don't really remember because I blacked out, but I do remember waking up in the car and I looked next to me and the paramedic was cutting the car to get me out. And all I remember him saying was, don't look down. And of course I looked down and I saw all my injuries. 
and my, my leg was just split open. And I guess I couldn't tolerate the image of it. I remember just blacking out again. And then they rushed me to the hospital and they rushed me through emergency surgery and they called my family. And I was in the hospital for a while and I was recovering and they finally got me up. And then when they got me up, we all realized that I couldn't walk properly. And so I did my best to you know, do everything that they told me to do. I did physical therapy. I was doing as much as I possibly could, but I couldn't walk. And so they put me in a wheelchair and I was in a wheelchair for a good amount of time. And um, they got me out of the wheelchair. And then every time I got up, I kind of stumbled and I fell and I had to hold on to something and I couldn't walk. And so I had to go to rehab after that, and they were teaching me how to walk all over again. And so I went through the process of trying to learn to get strength and to learn to walk again. And they were trying to do as much as they could to get this 18-year-old to start walking like an 18-year-old again. But as much as they were trying, it was just not happening. I couldn't get myself to start walking again. And so... I remember them saying, you know what, let's just, let's just go back to the drawing board. Let's do another surgery. If we do another surgery, we can get you to start walking again. And I was like, great, let's do it, please. I was trying to get my independence back. I was trying to do everything my friends were doing. I was trying to keep up. I was missing out on so much. I was missing out on college. I couldn't even get to classes. I was missing out on tons of things that was just whirling by me, and I was missing out. And so we did another surgery, and it helped. You know, I was able to eventually graduate into a walker and in a cane, but I was still using all of this as an 18-year-old girl walking around. And I remember my, my family had to put me in a wheelchair, and then they would wheel me into church, and I would be sitting at the end of the row in a wheelchair because I couldn't get myself up, and I needed help. And I couldn't do anything on my own, and so... We did the surgery and it was great. And then I, I, I couldn't go any further. I still needed something. I still needed to hold everyone's hands when I was walking. And then my docs went back to the drawing board and said, we'll do a third surgery. We'll do a bone and cartilage transplant and we'll just fill in all your missing pieces. And surely then we can get you to start walking on your own. And I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. I just, I'm just seeing time just go on, and it was just extending on and on. And so we waited, we waited for a match, and a match never came. And so I went back to my follow-up appointment with my doc, and he said, you know, I don't think this is going to work. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think this is, we got you where we can get you, and this is it. And I just remember just being so shocked and just, is this really happening? And I went back home, and I was just devastated, and I just cried and I said, God, what am I to do now? And I just felt him drop in my spirit and said, Vic, I've got more for you. I've got more for you. Don't settle. And so I took those words and I didn't know what they meant, but I grabbed my physical therapist and I said, I'm supposed to do something, so let's go. Let's go, let's rehab, let's do therapy. And, and I sat there and I worked so hard every day. And it was painful and it was hard and I kept on going on as much as I could. And we got there, we were able to kick out the, the walker, we were able to kick out the cane, all because I heard a word in my spirit that said, I've got more for you. 
And instead of laying down and dying, I got up because I listened to the voice of God that said, I've got more for you. Do not settle. No matter what the doctors are telling you, no matter what, they're tuning it all out. And I had to get myself to a place where I had to tell myself, tune it out, tune out the world, tune out what they're all telling you and listen to me, listen to my voice because I will guide you. It is only I that can take you into the plans of your life. So if you sit there and listen to everyone else, they will all derail you, but I will hold you strong and I will take you to where you need to be. And I, and I loved it. I was excited. And then I went back to my dog and I was like, I, I did it. I did it. You know, God was able to do this for me. And he was like, that's great, but you still don't have the muscle capacity yet. So I can't clear you to drive. And I was like, oh. it's just like another wrench that got thrown in. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. And so I, I went home and I said, God, I just, I just want my independence back. I just keep depending on everyone to take me here, take me there. And it's just, I don't think this is where my life is supposed to be. But I get it because I can't do it. And again, I heard him say, I've got more for you. And so I didn't know what that meant again. So I made sure my family wasn't home and I got into my car. And... I turned the engine on and I just remember feeling the hum of the car and then looked up at the windshield and then every post-traumatic image came rushing back and I was paralyzed with fear. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't want to figure it out. I was like, I'm good. This is, this is it. I, I, can, I, can, I don't have to drive. I'm fine. And I turned it off and I was so mad. I just slammed the door closed and I went back home and I started praying again. I was like, God, I can't do it, but I'm fine. I'm good. This is where I'll be. This is where my life would be again. And I, he, keep, he kept speaking back and said, I've got more for you. And I, I didn't want to do it because it was so hard. It was so hard. I did, I, I, every time I got into the car, I, was like, I just didn't want to do it. And I got back in the next day I mustered up a little bit of strength and I was and I told God well then you've got to show me how because I I can't do it on my own and he did and I figured it out if I didn't have the muscle capacity to move my right leg to the left quickly then he said well just put one on the gas and then just put one on the brake and I did it was like driving a stick and so I was like, this is fantastic. And I was able to move past all the post-traumatic images and everything, and I figured out. And I still drive like that to this day, by the way. I haven't retrained myself to go back to driving like normal. It works, why fix it? So it's amazing to see what God is able to do. And as much as inspiring as that story may be, I have to tell you, it was some dark nights. It was really hard, and I wanted to believe because who are the professionals? They're the doctors, and what do I know? They told me this was it. They told me this is as far as I can get you, but I believed that God was able to do it, but, but I couldn't, I didn't believe it at that time because every time I got up, I stumbled back, and every time I got up, someone held my hand, and every time I got up, I fell, 
And I didn't believe what he was trying to tell me. And so, so many days, because it extended so long, this whole time extended so long, and I couldn't see it. And you can see me today, and you can see that the good Lord was able to preserve my life to even get me out of that car accident, and furthermore, able to give me the ability to walk again. But I didn't see it at that time. I couldn't see it. It wasn't happening. And I sat there. And I remember I was sitting in the basement of, of my house and I was talking to one of my girlfriends and I told her, I believe in God, but I don't believe that he's good to me. I believe that he is good to other people because it looks like he gives them everything, but I don't believe he's good to me. Because at that time I couldn't feel it I didn't see it, but what I did do was activate faith. And when I activated faith, it took me through the course of where God's will was. And today, I want to begin to tell you that it is not enough for you to settle for your alms because there is so much that God wants to push you to where you need to be. And all that I went through just gave me a fraction of an understanding of what this lame man went through. And this beautiful story opens up starting in verse one. And we're just gonna extrapolate these verses as we go on. But it starts in verse one where it says, now Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This means it was probably around three o'clock in the afternoon. And Peter and John, this was after Jesus died. Peter and John, they go up to the temple. And it was fascinating to see that they continued to do all the Jewish customs, but they omitted one thing this day. They chose to skip the hour of sacrifice that happened and went into the hour of prayer. And this is so important for us to understand because before we can even receive faith, before we can even receive anything that God has for us, we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus came down. They believed that he died on the cross and they believed that he was their Messiah and that he was the eternal sacrifice. In order for us to be able to get anything from the Lord, we need to remember that we need to believe and not just say we believe, but we need to our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord in order for him to in turn receive we for us to receive the faith that we need and everything that he needs to equip us. That's our first step. Where's your belief today? In verse two, it goes on, we're saying, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. The Bible doesn't tell us who was carrying him, and they don't tell us the name of this lame man. They don't tell us anything about his history. We just know that he shared a plan with a couple of these people. He made a plan to ask for alms. He didn't make a plan to be healed. He made a plan to survive. He made a plan to do something because of the condition that he was in. How many of us 
keep making plans just because of the condition that we are in? Where are we in our life that we are continuing to do other things because of what is happening in our life right now? Are we able to see what it is that God wants us to do? Or are we only seeing what we need to do to survive? Sometimes it's not always the wrong thing to do because it's just survival mode and we're trying to do other things. But guess what? God sees the supernatural and God sees beyond what is available to us. And that is where he wants to heighten our senses to in order for us to begin to see that he's got more than what we can actually see. So today, can I invite you, church, to know that you've got more in the supernatural that God wants to drop into your spirit. So go ahead and receive it because if you forgot, it is here, it is alive and it's still kicking. It hasn't gone anywhere and he's ready to give it to you as long as you are are ready to receive it. He made it his routine that became so normal. And some of us, we're going through these routines that become so normal that we're not even understanding to see that God is trying to stretch us beyond it because it just seems so normal. Nothing seems wrong with it. It's fine. So we keep doing it. And it's not that nothing's wrong with it. It's just that he's got something more. And it goes on to verse three where it says, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. You see, he asked the wrong thing to the right people. He asked the wrong thing to the right people. Any of you have these people in your lives that they're just able to call you out in your sin? They're able to, you say, I'm fine. They're like, no, you're not. They can see through your makeup. They can see through your smile. They can see everything else about you. They can just call you out, and they just know that something is wrong. I have these people in my life, and let me tell you, they're just amazing. They're amazing people to have. And if you have these people in your life, don't be offended when they call you out in where you are. Receive it. Receive it. They call you out in love because if you don't know, we are all not perfect people. We all can't see a situation wholly and perfectly in all it is because other people are able to see different angles that sometimes we're not able to see. And when they're able to give it to you, receive it because the Lord has brought them into your life. And the Lord wants to say something to your life if you would only be able to open to receive it. Can you imagine what would have happened? If this lame man would have said, no, I, I don't need what you got for me, Peter John. I came here, I made a plan, and I came here to ask for alms. I need a handout. I need some money. That's what I came here for. I don't care what you have for me. And if you don't have what I'm asking you for, can you stop wasting my time and keep moving? Because the guy behind you looks like he's got deep pockets and he's got something that I need. But I don't need what, whatever it is that you have to offer. Can you imagine? If he would have said that, he would have missed the most amazing blessing he would have received in his life that would have just changed the trajectory of his life. Everything that he really needed in his heart, he would have dismissed if he wasn't open, if he had pride and said, I don't need that. He would have never received it. Do we have pride this morning? Are we able to receive what it is that the Lord is able to give us? Have we softened our hearts? Have we humbled ourselves to know that there is something more out there that I just may not know about it? Verse four, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. 
So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter said, look at us. This man was probably so excited because no one ever looked at beggars. No one ever looked their way. And he was so excited, he probably raised his cup to them, expecting for, him to, for them to fill his cup. But it was the wrong vessel to fill. It was the wrong vessel to fill. He was needed to extend himself because what God wants from us is what ails us on the inside. What ails us on the inside, our relationship to him and what we really need in our life. You see, in Peter and John, it's an incredible what they were able to do because the church, we as a church, we were never created to make anyone's situation bearable. We were never created to do that, but rather for us to begin to open up the heavens and begin to bring heaven on earth and to give people what they really need, to begin to see the supernatural, to begin to see the miracles and wonders and the relationship of what Jesus Christ can give us. That is what the church was called to do. And that was the concept that Peter and John were able to give to him. That type of faith that they have, a faith on blast. Do we have that type of faith? And if we don't, why not? Why don't we have that type of faith? What are we doing in this world if we are not working towards what it is that God has for us to extend to the world around us? And Peter and John understood this concept so well. What came over Peter at that very moment to know it's time to heal? Because we know Peter. We know Peter had a problem of discerning what was from God and what was from the devil. We talked about this maybe a month or two ago very quickly. He knew when he heard from God, but he wasn't very good at it. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. The same Peter who did a miracle for this lame man. This is the same Peter, the same guy. What came over him? Because at that very moment, Peter stood above his weakness and said, it is not because of me, because I'm a wretched soul. I've got nothing but sin inside of me, but it's rather God who works through me despite what I did, despite what I was able to do yesterday. It doesn't matter. And to you, church, I have to say, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what you did last night, the text message that you sent, what you did in darkness. It doesn't matter who you are. God is still able to use you. So if you are stuck in this mentality of thinking that I'm wretched and God cannot use me, he is, he is able because all he needs is a willing soul to begin to say, yes, God, me, I'm messed up, but I'll still go. I'm messed up, but I'll still move to what you have for me. He's waiting for us to just surrender ourselves to him. Today, it's a new day, it's a new story, it's a new page. Write a new chapter in your life. Step into what it is that he has for you in his life. See, Peter received the gift of faith. It's a type of faith we see in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9, 
where it says he gave to another the gift of faith by the same spirit. It's time for us to sometimes step into the faith of a child sometimes. The type of faith that has no boundaries, no shame, no limits. You know, my son Ezra, he's nine years old. He's my hero. I mean, he's a nine-year-old that needs a lot of things tamed. But when he shines, he shines bright. And so we knew when I was pregnant with Ezra, um, we were at our life group, and our life group leader came over to us and um, just began to prophesy over us. And I was pregnant with Ezra, and she was telling us that, you know, you guys love the belt of truth, and that belt of truth is getting bigger inside of your womb, and he will be God's helper, and he will be a servant of God. And that night, we named him Ezra. Ezra means helper and one who serves. And there was two distinct times that we really saw something try to take him out of this world. And one was when he was three years old, we had a family gathering and at our house, and we were all just in the backyard uh, doing a cookout and just jumping in the pool. And Ezra didn't know how to swim. But he had floaties, and he was in the pool, and he was fine. And he had to go to the bathroom, so he took his floaties off. And then he went inside and came back, and no one saw him, and everyone was kind of doing their own thing. Jumped right into the pool. And so I didn't think anything of it because I was hearing splashes all day, and my back was turned, and I was putting food down, and everyone was just kind of minding their business. No one saw it. And I heard the splash, and I felt the Lord drop in my spirit, say, turn around. And I did, and I saw him in the bottom of the pool. And I jumped in, and I grabbed him, and it took him out, and thankfully, thankfully, he was okay. And the second time... He was in second grade, he's in fourth grade now. He got really sick and I kept him home from school and he said he was really tired so I just let him take a nap on our couch. And um, I worked from home so I went to the room next to me and I started just to work. And a couple minutes in, I felt the Lord just drop in my spirit, get up and go check on him. And I literally thought to myself, I don't need to check on him, he's not a baby. He's just sick and he's just sleeping because I needed to get work done. And so I moved on. I kept on working. And then I felt it again where it said, get up, go check on him. And I did. I went out and he was struggling to breathe. He couldn't breathe. And I grabbed a pulse ox and I checked his oxygen and his oxygen was just plummeting down. And I had to call 911 and we took him to the hospital and we had to admit him because he just couldn't get his oxygen levels back up. And thankfully, again, the Lord was able to deliver his life and we were able to take him home and he was just fine. But I can't help but think if this little boy was taken out of this world, that same boy wouldn't have been able to go into his kindergarten class and ask his friends if they knew Jesus. He came back his first day of kindergarten and told me, so sad, my friends don't know Jesus. It was the first, first time he's ever knew that people don't know Jesus. And we never talked to him about having to share his faith. We never did. We thought that day we probably should. But we, we never told him to do that. And so we were just taken back and we were like, great job, buddy. Keep doing that. That's what we're called for. That's what we're called to do. Keep going. And the second time was here. 
this year, we had our Good Friday service, and I told some of you guys the story, but the church was able to show a clip of the Passion of Christ, and he was able to see Jesus bloody and bruised before he went on the cross. And Ezra was just, he was shook. He was taken back. And he left, went home the next day, and he called his Muslim friend and he told him about Jesus. The type of faith of a child that has no boundaries, no shame, and no barriers that would just move past to be able to share their faith. What are we doing? What are we doing? Have we ignored that whole concept? And we see this gift of faith in verse 7 where it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Do I have medical people in here? Muscular dystrophy is a real thing. When you don't use a muscle, it gets weak and small, and there is no way you can just leap up. I got into a car accident, and probably after a week, they put me in a wheelchair. I couldn't stand. This man was lame from birth, and he leaped up. The power of God that is able to just transcend down from heaven into a person that just eliminates all that is normal, eliminates all that seems to be, and cuts out of it and says, I can do more. That when you get something from me, I can do something absolutely out of this world. It's amazing to see what happens. You see, when I was in the hospital and I was taking care of patients, I would go into a patient's room and I wasn't just giving them one hand. I was giving them my one hand. I was giving them my second hand. I would get my leg muscles ready to pull them up and then looked at them and said, oh, it's not going to take just me. And then I'd go into the hallway and then look for a second person and then look at them again, probably grab a third person and bring them all in. And then we all would come in and pull this person up. But Peter comes in and struts his faith and comes in and just extends one hand and says, the God that I believe in is able to heal you. So so let me just give you my hand and show you and display to you the power of the living God that is able to change every situation in your life, that is able to bring you to your heights, your situation. God already knows. He knows your name. He knows who you are. I don't have what you're asking for because that's not in God's plan, but I got something better for you. The gift of faith, the boldness, and the assurance that Peter had. Worship team, you can come on up. The Bible tells us as soon as he was healed, the former lame man now did three, three things. He did three things. First, he attached himself to the apostles. Sometimes we need to attach ourselves to the right people. Sometimes we just need to remove ourselves from the people that don't need to be there, that seems to be taking us lower and away from the calling that God has for our life. We need to attach ourselves to people like the apostles. Not only did he attach himself to the apostles, he went to church. <laughs> he went to church. 
He knew where he needed to be. He went in and he began to do what it is that he was supposed to do. He tasted and saw what God was able to do and he wanted more. And he came and he stretched and he wanted everything that God had for him. He attached himself to the apostles. The second thing that he was able to do, he used what God gave him. God gave him the ability to walk and he used it. He used what God gave him. How many of us are just sitting in our gifts and our talents and our abilities of what the Lord is able to do for us and we're just sitting in it and we're not even using it? When God has called us, are we doing something with what he has called us with? Where are we in our life? And finally, he worshiped God. He praised and he worshiped God. Sometimes it's not enough for us to just be saved. It's not enough for us just to be healed. But we need to be worshipers. We need to be worshipers that know to worship God in spirit and truth. And not just to come here and worship, but really reach down into the depths of our hearts and pull out and just do our ugly cries of knowing, God, you are worthy to be praised. And not have to worry about the tame person that is sitting next to us, but us going forth and just saying, I believe in who God is. And I can't help but worship him. And we sang it this morning. That's how we fight our battles. When we sing and we worship, that is how we fight our battles. So are we ready to fight? Are we ready to fight our race here today? Because I feel like God is trying to give us something more. Can I tell you something? Some theologians have said that this lame man was there when Jesus walked the earth. Because it said daily, this lame man was placed at the temple gate. Jesus also went to the temple, which means Jesus and him had an encounter. And doesn't tell us anymore, but we can imagine what had happened. We can imagine what Jesus probably did. I wonder if he cried to himself a little bit. Or I wonder if he just smiled to himself knowing that he had something coming up for him up ahead. I can relate more to the lame man and I wonder if the lame man thought, he just walked right by me. He didn't heal me. He didn't see me. Can I tell you, God is good. And if you are sitting here today and you feel like the Lord has walked away, that the Lord doesn't see you, that the Lord doesn't hear you, I felt it too. I felt like God could not hear anything I was saying. I felt like I was in a, in a full room of people who were just crying out to God and he couldn't hear my voice. I felt like I was just waving my hands at God and he couldn't see me. And I'm pretty sure this layman felt the same thing. And if you are that same person here today that feels like the Lord has overlooked you, he hasn't overlooked you. He just has an appointment for you for the future. It is confirmed and it is ready and he is ready for your time to come. So if you have ever, ever thought that the Lord has forgotten you, he has not. 
He has not. Your appointment is up ahead. If you would just hold on, hold on, be patient and know that he is coming. He is on the way. He already designed a plan for your life. He already knew that Peter and John were coming up ahead. He already knew. He already designed a plan. You just have to wait for it. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your situation. He knows your heart. And no matter what you're asking for, he knows what you really need. And if that's you today, then he sent me to tell you he's on his way. And if it's not happening according to your crafted request, that's okay. Because he works differently. He operates differently. And he cares. And he stretches his hands towards you. And he wants you to know that he is your father. He is a good father. And I can still stand today and say, he's still my good father. He is good to me. I just had to wait a little bit, but he has been good to me. The grave has been defeated, church. And we have been given eternal lives. Don't settle for alms. Don't settle for handouts from other people and what people can give you. That is not what he has called you for. He has something greater for you if you're just willing to receive it. And if you've forgotten all that I've said today, just remember three things, three important things. Don't settle for those alms. Step into extravagant faith. The Lord has not overlooked you today. Today, we just, we wanna pray for you today. Whatever it is that you are going through, whatever it is, that you're praying for, whatever situation that you are going through, we wanna pray for you today. I know that some of our seasons that we are going through is really hard, but I'm excited because I feel like God is gonna be able to stir up some miracles and wonders soon. And he's gonna be using some of us to do it. And he's ministering to some of you right now, right now. And if you do feel it, if you do feel the tug, I encourage you to step into it. I encourage you to respond. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you thought you knew Jesus, and this just gave you a whole new light, and you wanna give your life to him, we're here to pray for you. We're here for you. We want you to step into what it is that God has for you for the calling that he has for your life. So we wanna pray for you, for anything that you are going through. If you're trying to find who this Jesus is, we're here to pray for you. Our prayer partners will be here to be praying for you. And I'm gonna close us out in prayer and I'm gonna give you the benediction, but if you wanna stay, if you wanna worship, if you need prayer, you need to stay. Because God gave his life for you. You can give him another 10 minutes. Give yourself to the Lord. Allow yourself to dig in a little bit deeper to what he has for you. Close your eyes with me today. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, dear God, because you love us so much that you tune into every single component in our lives, that you are able to give and you are able to give abundantly, God. Help us to understand, dear God, that 
though the vision may tarry, if we wait for it at the end, it would speak and it would not lie. And help us to hold on to that, dear God, because your word, your word is truth. And it is always yes and amen. You are not a God that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. And so God, we receive it. We receive what you have for us. And I pray for every single person here. I pray for every family. I pray for every child. I pray for all of us, dear God. And I pray that we will find ourselves in the center of your will, that we will hear your voice when we least expect it. Help us to tune in. Help us to find greater depths of where you want us to be. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of all that we have done, dear God. And bring us closer to you. Bring us closer to your heavens. Help us, dear God, to feel you in every step of our way. Will you use us for your kingdom? Use us for your glory. And we pray, dear God, that you'll continue to move forward, O oh Lord, wherever we go, into our house, into our work, into our messy situations. Come, dear God, come. We invite you in. Thank you. We praise you, dear Lord. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.